0: hello good well i guess it's it's evening for you how are you doing i'm doing fine thanks how are you doing good hey the 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 this call quality sounds amazing what what kind of what kind of recorder are you just using a headset or what are you using
1: i'm using the snowball blue microphone thing
0: oh wow so, I, the, see i've been looking you know i haven't gone to like a specialty store where'd you find that at
1: i think i got it off amazon last year okay um pretty sure that's where it was i actually bought it whilst i was in the states but i bought it from here if you know what i mean i was yeah. just i got i got my laptop and i was messing about with it in the airport and i just went you know what i'll just buy it
0: really so, was it was it pretty reasonable i mean I,
1: it, it's not too bad it was about 64 quid which is probably
0: oh, it's probably about like 99, 100, 100
1: yeah. somewhere around there
0: yeah so, well that sounds good you know right now i've been just using uh uh, like a simple USB headset, and it it does all right. But I've uh, noticed, uh, what is it? Michael Bailey gone from Crisis Crisis said he bought the blue snowball thing, and yeah, you yeah, can he stole it. my idea, <laughs> <laughs> that bastard. He's I know. doing that. I
1: buy it, then suddenly he has it.
0: Well, and and of course he has to promote it because Michael Bailey is you know is pretty much you know the one true internet comic book guy. You know if you don't have a relation with Michael, then, you know, you're not, known anywhere on the internet. <laughs> but no, it sounds good. Nice. You're listening to Just One of the Guys, the podcast willing to forego watching the Doctor Who season premiere in order to yap on about funny book characters. There was a guy.
2: And guy who the sea.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. This is an internet radio show covering the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special emphasis on the characters Guy Gardner and Kyle Rader, my favorite Green Lanterns of all time. But today is a very extra special episode because this time I'm joined once again by a famous podcaster, this one, the, probably the furthest podcaster you know possibly from me the host of the awesome podcast, Flash Legacies, Mr. Dave Walker. Hey, Dave.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Doing good. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, If you guys didn't know, right now we're going through a bit of a crossover between the Green Lantern comic and the Flash comic, where we're going to be dealing with a couple of Silver Age characters and some sort of Silver Age craziness. Uh, Today, Hal, our wonderful intrepid Green Lantern is going to be teaming up with Wally West, the fastest man alive, and dealing with a couple of Silver Age heroes, the big-headed Hector Hammond and the hairy A. Gorilla Grodd. So looking forward to that. So Dave, how you been?
1: I've been fine, just working away, (laughs) etc.
0: Oh no, yeah, I I know the, I know the, (laughs) it's, it's always, but um, uh, do you, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. Do you have anything to say about these comics, just you know, sort of right offhand? I mean, well,
1: they, they're all kind of centered around uh, John Broome, who they're dedicated to. Um, I actually had a look at the earlier issues. Um, they kind of reuse a lot of the tropes that Broome was using, which I find interesting, with devolution and evolution and all that stuff. It's kind of cool.
0: Oh yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely got a big Silver Age vibe off this, and yeah, there are a bunch of not only uh, visual tropes, like the artwork and all that, you know, harkening back to that sort of feel of the Silver Age, but there's a lot of Silver Age, you know, not goofiness, but, you know, nostalgia. I, I mean, well, yeah, there is a goofiness because there's talking monkeys all around, but <laughs> but aside from that, you know, it's, it's nice that they're trying to recapture some of the Silver Age stuff, you know, in the post-crisis era.
1: Yeah, but everything's better with monkeys.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, whenever, whenever you've got some superheroes fighting monkeys, I'm a happy man. But I'm going to go ahead and put a couple of promos in here. We're going to take a break. And then when we get back, I'm going to be doing the synopsis of the issue 30 of Green Lantern. And then later in the show, we'll be doing the synopsis. Dave will be doing the synopsis of issue 69 of The Flash. So see you on the other side.
3: Is James T. Kirk. Don't you read history?
0: What did you say your name was?
3: Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise.
4: Which one have you used the caption? Captain. Violate the treaty, Captain.
3: Red alert! All hands, battle station. What are you scratching at?
0: Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands, battle station.
4: Monthly
3: Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at Two True
1: Said Mongo Dindy, "That's wrong character, wrong universe, and wrong galaxy." Hold on, just one sec.
2: Ah, here we go.
1: Flash Legacies, a podcast connecting the adventures of Wally West, the third hero to be known as the Flash. Join me, Dave Walker, in my bi journey as I look at Wally's career from when he first donned the mantle of The Flash all the way up to the return of Barry Allen. Find me at flashlegacies.limbs.com.
0: And we're back. So, we're going to go straight in to... Uh... Our coverage of the comics, and we're going to start off with Green Lantern number thirty. Uh, Green Lantern of thirty was cover dated early October nineteen ninety two. I guess this is another month where they released two in the month. Uh, the release date was on or about August eleventh nineteen ninety two. The cover price was dollar twenty five US, dollar fifty Canada, and sixty pence UK. Is it pence or p, or does it?
1: Oh, it's pence p. Okay, uh, either works.
0: See that that strange you know UK currency? I don't get it at all. The title of the book was The Trouble with Gorillas, obviously a ripoff on the Star Trek episode. Uh, Writer was Gerard Jones. Plot assist this time was by Mark Wade. Penciler was M.D. Bright. Inker was Romeo Tangal. Letter was Albert Guzman. Colorist Anthony Tolan. Editor Kevin Dooley. And assistant editor this time out was Eddie Braganza. Our story opens with Green Lantern Hal Jordan flying in to check on Wally West and the rest of the members of the Justice League Europe as they move into their new headquarters. After chatting with members Aquaman and Crimson Fox, who Hal is obviously trying to put the moves on, Hal aids with the moving while Wally is called away by an urgent phone call. Cut to Darkest Africa, where a group of hyper-intelligent apes sit around discussing philosophy and drinking tea, as apes are wont to do. A younger ape mentions that he's bored, and that they're wasting their potential, hiding themselves from the humans. An older ape scolds him, saying that only the only ape who had these thoughts was Grod, and now he's in prison for his crimes. Sitting in said prison, Grod scowls as the guard delivers a note containing a chess move from the big-headed Hector Hammond. Reading the note and deciphering its hidden message, Grodd snaps off a piece of a chess... I don't get it, which sends out a mental signal to the young apes, telling them that the time is now. The time to free Grodd. Hearing the alarm, Solovar, leader of Gorilla City, sends a desperate call to the one hero who has helped him in the past, the Flash. But as that hero was the Barry Allen Flash, Solovar's calls for assistance fall on the ears of the curator of the Flash Museum, who tries to forward the message to Wally West. At the same time, Wally is speeding through Keystone City, as some people stuck in traffic hear a radio bulletin calling for the Flash. Having no luck, the mayor of Keystone turns to his next option, the Justice League. Back in the Justice League headquarter UK, Hal and Sue receive a call from ICE looking for Wally. She says that the League was contacted by a gorilla who wanted to speak to the Flash. Realizing that this might be about Grodd, Hal streaks off to Africa to deal with Barry's old foe. Meanwhile, in Africa, Grodd and his followers head toward their destination. The third piece of a stone that gave these gorillas and big headed freak Hector Hammond super intelligence. Claiming that when they locate the third piece, they'll be able to have the power to conquer Earth. Pardon me, and Grodd will rule over all. We cut back to Hal, who has shown up at the Flash Museum in Keystone City. Hal's told about the message from Gorilla City. But before he can head off to check the Flash's house for clues, he's approached by a government agent who says he can shed some light on this matter. Hal takes him to D.C., but instead of the government district, they head for the National Zoo. The duo land, enter a secret passage guarded by telepathic pit bulls, okay, and are taken to the Bureau of Amplified Animals, or the BAA. Get it? Yeah, of course you do. There they meet Bobo. Bobo. <laughs> <clears throat> the chief investigator, who commissions Hal to take on the gorilla problem with a bit of help from Rex, the wonder dog. Flying Rex and Major Dennis, Rex is familiar, to Africa, Hal wonders if all of this is a joke. Back at the BAA, See, it gets funnier each time. Bobo scolds his staff for turning out another script of The Merchant of Venice, rather than reports on the Gorilla Crisis. Because they're all monkeys, and they're typing, and when monkeys get together, you know the drill. In the meantime, Hal and Rex have reached the destination, but Rex has to go walkies. Telling Hal that he senses danger, the Green Lantern encases Rex and Dennis in a protected ring construct dome as he heads out to find the trouble. However, it's not the trouble he expected, but the trouble that comes in the guise of the Flash. And that's it for the issue. Uh, Dave, I will let you go ahead. And if you've got any notes on this, hit me with them.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, is it just me, or does Hal look really evil on the first page? He does.
0: Yeah. Well, ha- I I really enjoy Bright and Tangol's art for the most part, but in this in this story arc, I've got to say. I'm enjoying LaRoque's take on the characters more than I am Bright and Tangol. Uh He does look kind of, you know, flying in here, he looks kind of angry. He looks kind of, yeah, he does look kind of evil. And it is really weird. Yeah, I don't know what he's
1: doing. It's, uh, is it the smile? Is it the pointed eyebrows? Uh,
0: it, might be, it might be the way the mask is on his face, the way his mask is drawn, because it looks kind of angular and it gives him that sort of, you know, scowling look. But yeah, he does yeah. look like he might be a bit, might be you know having to deal with the long gated man's bullshit, you know
1: <laughs> oh dear um uh, next we have very very dangerous unsecured packaging that probably get arrested for endangerment or something here uh, just carrying those boxes without any kind of aid
0: yes yeah i was kind of wondering what kind of uh, union rules because we see a lot of the uh people who are carrying the boxes around here you know kind of lounging about and saying that Oh, we're on our break. I'm wondering if they had the same sort of union rules in the UK as they do here. Well, where where is just leave your – Is this in France?
1: I no, they say it's an English castle. Oh yeah, because so. that's the that's the only place where castles exist. You know, uh, of uh, course,
0: yeah. Well, and there are always, but uh, aren't most castles in England? You know, you know, manned by French people who like to taunt people. I thought that was also a trope there.
1: Oh, uh, possibly. Okay. Mm. There may be some taunting. Of, they've got Crimson Fox there, I think.
0: Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind taunting her. <laughs> well, if, well, yeah, I guess I guess Crimson Fox could be standing upon the parapet, you know, telling the smelly English people to go wipe their bottoms. That works. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, okay. Uh, when Grudge shows up, we actually get to see him. Is it just me or is he basically recreating the ad on the next page? It's... Yeah, uh, I think it's for super <laughs> high impact.
0: Oh, yes, he is. Yeah, he's oh. doing the same sort of fist thing that, you know, Mc, you know, Football Stein is doing on the bone-crunching football action ad. Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't look contemplative. You know, even though he does have a chessboard in front of him, he looks just. I'm but, assuming it's meant to be the thinker pose. Uh, well, uh, they're they try and I'm certain they're trying to make the uh, idea or put the idea forth that Grodd is incredibly intelligent. So obviously, the first way you need to show him up is in the classic pose of Rodan's the thinker. So you know, there you right. go.
1: And playing chess, obviously.
0: Yeah, because. because yeah,
1: everyone who's intelligent plays chess.
0: Mm-hmm, that's true. You, you don't get idiot teenagers who wear glasses and have pocket protectors playing chess. It's, it's all no, no. super intelligent people.
1: And you never have any kind of... Um, I, I don't want to call them stupid superheroes, but not necessarily super intelligent. Or obviously villains as well.
0: Okay, go know? ahead and name names.
1: Uh, <laughs> I have to think of them now. Ah. Um, oh. See, this is the problem. You can't just ask a question and not let me have an answer. You know?
0: Oh, no problem. Well, <laughs> it's it's all good. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I can't I can't <laughs> imagine. You know, I'm trying to think of. I, is it because I, could... I don't
1: want to be insulting to the characters even? Because well, no, they're or... bound to be someone's
0: favorite. Oh, That's... exactly. Well, you know, I can see, I can see characters like I. Not that I think Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, is unintelligent because he's obviously very intelligent. Yeah. But he also comes off as sort of just foolish and kind of kind of flippy you know he's not really on all the time he's not the sort of bruce wayne batman uh, knows everything type person he's intelligent yeah. but you know he seems to be one of those who'd probably play chess lose every time and even more like <laughs> why do i lose i'm I'm smart so uh, no offense to no offense to ralph or the character i enjoy him yeah
1: well i haven't honestly read much of him. uh the most of them i've read i think is uh 52
0: oh yeah yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, yeah. That was right after they decided. Oh, it'd be a good idea to have his wife get raped and then eventually ah, kill yes. himself. Yes. The start you. of
1: the all new, all rapey DC. Yes.
0: yes. Oh, always, <laughs> always a fun, always a fun coming.
1: I did. I liked his story arc, though it worked quite well. It was uh, kind of fitting, I guess. But.
0: Well, see, I haven't read the new. I haven't read the fifty-two thing, so I've, I've heard it's kind of a redemptive story arc where he goes looking. Mm. For uh, or or where he, what well, what well now what did, what did he do during that? I mean, if you can kind of fill me in.
1: Okay, basically he tries to find a way to bring his wife back, you know, bring Sue back, but on his way, basically he finds out that either he can't or he shouldn't, um, one of the two, and he ends up encountering I think it's Neron and mm-hmm. Felix Faust at the end, and. Basically, because they were trying to trick him in some way, he gets his revenge on them um I guess it's it's kind of complicated without me spoiling too much of it but um uh, he he does kind of win, and I guess he does get reunited with Sue at the end so
0: well that that's good because you know my thought about the whole thing with identity crisis was that it was an interesting story, but the fact that they had to do certain things. To, to tell the story, just kind of yeah. turned me off.
1: I enjoyed it. Um, it's basically my only encounter with Sue, um, but I I did feel for her at the time. Um, I'm just introduced to her, and I already kind of feel bad for everything that happens to her. So oh, yeah. it, it worked in that
0: respect. But well, def- well and I you yeah. know knowing knowing Sue a bit more from the from the old JLI uh, from the '80s, that kind of that also helps. It, it all it also ends uh, adds a bigger sense of tragedy to it so yeah. Oh, yeah all right
1: okay um next up we have free grad where do i get my free grad
0: <laughs> it's on it's on comic it's on free comic book day you know you go early and you get the free grad with that yeah I'm... i can they do it on saturdays
1: i can never get up early enough <laughs>
0: uh, I, I hate getting up early on saturdays uh yeah i'm i'm wondering on this panel as well why some of the apes aren't aren't doing the typical ape thing and why they're not flinging poop That's the one thing that I'm missing from this comic. There is not enough poop flinging, especially with the large number of apes and monkeys that we have in it. More poop flinging, please. Come on, DC editorial, get on it. Also, why do some have clothes? I don't know. You know, most of them are walking around all you know with their dangly parts coming out, and then some of them have belt buckles on. And I don't get it. Maybe it's just maybe it's just fashion sense. Maybe some are more modest than others. Maybe. They're nudists. That could be it. Yeah. Oh, oh, nudists. (laughs) The the idea of of a nudist colony is always great because you're like, oh, I'm going to see naked people. And then you realize the type of people who like to go to nudist colonies. And Mm -hmm. they're not the kind of people you want to see naked. Definitely not. Not. No. Mm. Thankfully, we're not seeing gorilla junk anywhere. So that's always a good thing.
1: Yeah. I'm just wondering, is it just... Is it just tastefully hidden? Um, uh, I know, mean, on the cover, it's obviously not because uh, anatomically, I'm assuming it would be somewhere <laughs> visible.
0: Um. Uh, they, they, you know, I don't know whether editorial is saying you can't draw them anatomically correct, but I know uh, from like my viewings of Discovery Channel show that proportionally, the uh, sex organs of gorillas and chimpanzees are not quite as big proportionally to humans Mm. so there may be there may be a bit of that going on
1: Uh, well that's we can we can hope at least yes
0: (laughs) yes because we don't want to you know see full-on frontal grod we don't want to see little grod down there
1: Uh, horrible to think about sorry Sorry, I brought it up.
0: <laughs> no, we'll we'll leave that in for the listeners to you know just you know mull around in their head while they're listening to the rest of that. It's awesome.
1: Oh yeah, if if we have to suffer through it, so should they.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, um, while he's running about in, I'm assuming Keystone here. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Springsteen on the radio. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Born to Run. Yep. Yeah, kind of fitting, uh, obvious for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is. Not too long after the Born to Run storyline in Flash. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's uh, if I am remembering right, sixty two to sixty six. It's something like that. It's just basically the year one story.
0: uh, all these early years. I, I, I never would have caught that. You know, that's that's awesome. See, I was just wondering why they decided to put an actual Bruce Springsteen cover thing in here. I thought that was just. uh, I I honestly thought it was a way to sort of date the. uh, comic but now that it harkens back to a storyline that wally was in that makes even more sense and actually makes it you know a, a cooler inclusion in the story
1: yeah i mean i was able to work it out fairly quickly because one they say bruce then the guys complain about interrupting the boss so that makes that sense. plus that plus google equals <laughs> uh, fairly quick and i went oh yeah
0: yeah bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not a bad song plus it doesn't necessarily have to do it people listen to classic radio or oldies radio or Mm -hmm. i don't don't know if that's really the right term for it though because
0: well it's stuff
1: i kind of remember so
0: sadly nowadays it is oldies radio because now if you turn on the radio all you get is that rihanna and lady god well not even lady gaga anymore but the carly ray jepsen call me lately whatever
1: i I have heard that song once so far. I, I the only version I like is a cover version basically where it's just taking the piss kind of. You know, it's it's basically the trope that kind of started up where everyone did their own version of it. Mm-hmm. I just that was the first one I heard, so I prefer it. It kind of amused me.
0: See, I, I, I've been around on the internet, and they actually have both Star Wars and Star Trek in that song. Basically, what they do is they take uh, clips from the shows, and usually it's you know it's all the Star Wars movies and uh, all the original series shows, and they take clips where the characters are saying the words that are in the song and just sync it up with the music. So you've got various people singing Call Me Maybe yeah, from Star Wars or Star Trek, and that's actually kind of awesome. Maybe I'll see if I can find that with that here you know, underneath us. That'd be awesome. Yeah.
1: I saw something fairly cool It's kind of similar and completely off topic. Um, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot um, oh, yes. maybe got back, done with the movies. It's basically... I can't remember how many movies it was, but it's various different movie clips making up the entire song with the kind of backbeat without obviously Mix-a-Lot singing or rapping or whatever it is he's actually doing there. Um, over the top of it, it's just the backbeat and the cl- movie clips. It's very well done and kind of fun. Uh, I'll
0: have to check that out.
1: I'll see if I can find a link. I'll send it to you.
2: Cool.
1: Anyway, Oh, back, back on topic, I think. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, something that's not used very often—at least not nowadays. Uh, Green Lantern going through ceilings.
0: Yeah, that's one thing that you know I kind of miss, you know, and that's one thing that I remember um, specifically uh, in the uh, Superman. Uh, the animated series where he encountered the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. One of the neat things I thought about that was, you know, when I think Kyle was fighting Sinestro and Sinestro blasts him into a building, Kyle phases the the ring, that allows Kyle to phase through the building. That's a neat thing. And uh, it's done occasionally in the comic Mm -hmm. and uh, to good points because, you know, it's really irritating when your superhero just decides to leave the building by, blasting through the wall and then you've got you've got to call in construction people to fix the, wall, fix the wall and set up new drywall and brick it all up it's nice that green lantern at least can phase through it without having to cause any damage you know yeah, that's I mean, that's it, really polite of him
1: it kind of works for superman because obviously he's taking it and he can't do it but if you have the option you should probably try to reduce the property damage as much as possible
0: well and that's that's one of the the nice things about hal and you know every once in a while he's thinking ahead about things so that's that's good of him. Yeah.
1: Also, are there no doors in the place where he's in? Is it just easier to phase through a roof?
0: Well, yeah. You, you know, it would cause him to have, he'd have to walk, and I think they have a card key because they're the Justice League. So he's got to scan the card key and wait for the door to open. Then he's got to go through security and he's got to hand over his driver's license to make sure that he's actually hal jordan and then of course it's kind of hard you know because he doesn't have any pockets so he's got to pull it out of the universe where he keeps his lantern so it's all a big pain in the butt it's just easier to phase through the ceiling
1: so basically all their security measures mean nothing if anything were to make him turn evil
0: that's Ah, true that's that's
1: handy you know it's
0: well well we (laughs) just have to be thankful that hal will never turn evil
1: yeah never
0: gonna happen (laughs)
1: Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, okay. I had a look at the origin of Hector Hammond mm-hmm. and a couple of the stories after that. Um, Grodd's wrong, at least if they're going by the original story, which obviously may have changed over time. Uh, the the meteor that kind of transforms everyone and creates Grodd and the Gorilla City, apparently about 100 years ago. Apparently there were three other rocks that were similar that landed on the moon, uh Kalahari Desert and where was the other one? Saturn or Jupiter or something. And Hector Hammond got Green Lantern to fly off and grab them all for him, so that he could become immortal or something. Okay. But they were all from the same rock, and now all of a sudden the same rock is landing in
0: three different places. Well, we'll just we'll just tie that up to the fact that Crisis fiddled with yeah. all that. So obviously, it fiddled with the placement of the rock and how many pieces there were. Maybe you know, there were other bits
1: it. in Earth too that kind of. Not good it. It's, uh, you know,
0: it's the it's the crisis. Just blame it on the crisis. You know, that's what Dan DiDio Dio does. Or, or that, all the crisis problem. We but the fixed. crisis didn't happen. Oh yeah. Sweet
1: can't blame it on it if it didn't happen
0: that's that's true well thank it, thank goodness we've got johnson to dio there to tell us what's right and wrong
1: uh,
0: uh, i'm sorry i shouldn't uh, and i'm trying not to be down on them trying not to all right
1: that's uh, okay Some sometimes they're good sometimes they're not so good I, I, it, it's I, like everything
0: i will give you that they, they've had uh, i can I can I can compliment John's on what he's done for Greenlander. I, hear, I heard he's done really good stuff, and he's doing really good stuff with the new 52 Flash. So, you know, Andy over at uh, Hey Kid Comics has just been raving about the Flash uh, comics. So, I don't think he's been writing it though. Johns he wasn't was. right. Oh no, it's it's Manipole, isn't it?
1: Yep, he took over. I think he was he was artist in the I think it was 12 issues of the Barry series just before New 52 came in. So. Okay. It's been Manipal scripting and okay. uh, what do you call it? and drawing the entire time. I think he's I think he's had help, but I can't remember at the minute. Hmm. Um, I got to see him last year at Comic Con, and I just stood there and watched him working away for ages, you know, hope, hoping I wasn't creeping him out too much, <laughs> you know. But I, I obviously I didn't. I really wish I could have got something off him, but by the time I, I even thought of something, uh, his commission list was full and all yeah. that, but his work is really really good uh hopefully if i'm going again i'll or if he's here or something i'll try to get something off him but, oh yeah uh, sorry i keep i, I keep teaming oh <laughs> well,
0: no I, I i love podcasts where they they have tangents that's that's always fun you know and it it, yeah. it gives a more conversational feel to it so i don't don't have a problem with
1: it it's kind of hard to do when you're by yourself if, exactly if, if you're tangenting when you're talking to yourself or alone then you have to wonder
0: um <laughs> yeah uh, what's going on <laughs> should i really be podcasting and not seeking professional help mm. i often well, ask myself that
1: it maybe the podcasting is a sign we should be seeking professional help <laughs> but uh, you know okay the bureau of amplified animals has a panda security guard <laughs> that's as, awesome
0: as you would and uh, i love the panda it, it's it, it's not it's not it's not uh, anthropomorphized in any way at all it's on all fours and it just you know just sneaks behind there and pushes the button that's about all that it does that that's humanoid but you know slightly
1: anthropomorphized well if you have a if you have a look at his expression i don't know it's kind of subtle he's kind of raising one eyebrow when in the first bit before he pushes the button
0: oh yeah no yeah now i can see that he is it's it's very subtle (laughs) well and see that's nice you know it's it's a Dramatic, you know, uh, difference than what we'll get later in the issue. <laughs> but yeah, I just noticed that. That yeah, he is kind of raising his right eyebrow, going, oh, "Who is this person?" So look good I, I, catch. I, I didn't
1: notice it until you mentioned it. So I was just looking. I just I love the fact that they've got a panda security guard. I don't know why. It's, it's just fun.
0: Exactly. Well, and I think that's what they're kind of going for. You know, trying to to harken that back into some of that Silver Age fun because. I'm I'm all about that, you know. I, I like serious stories, but every once in a while, it's nice to have a a bit of humor thrown in. But you, can I ask something? Who is the guy in the suit? I have no idea. Um, I'm trying to. I don't even know if he's named in this. I,
1: I don't. I remember reading this earlier and going, "Does he have a name? Is is he meant to be someone? Should I know him?
0: I don't know, but I'm assuming. Detec- I'm assuming Bobo is basically Detective Chimp. Uh, oh no, he is. Detective okay.
1: Chimp is Bobo.
0: Okay. That makes sense. You know, uh you know, unfortunately I haven't read any stuff with Detective Chimp in it, but I've seen his you know, I've seen on like websites of you know, like uh sort of strange uh animal characters, and Detective Chimp is always up there. So I know. loved him in
1: Shadow Pact. Oh I, wow. He he was awesome. Um I just love the idea of Chimp
0: being in charge. Well and <laughs> so... it it also it also brings forth some some uh humorous things later on in the book with uh him complaining to his room full of uh chimpanzee secretaries that look you're supposed to be working on files not not retyping the merchant of menace which is the the old trope of you know you get uh uh, infinite number of monkeys Uh, and infinite number of typewriters in room and they'll write shakespeare so
1: yeah i i had a note on that as well um to be honest that's the kind of thing you'd do in a workplace anyway come on that's true you get you you, you will goof off occasionally
0: well uh, as long as you you try not to get caught but as long as they're not surfing the internet looking for monkey porn so i'm happy that we didn't have to see that
1: technically that's not too hard since they broadcast it on discovery
0: channel oh dear lord
1: (sighs) (laughs) technically that's what that is
0: you know i never really thought about that and now i can't stop thinking about it Sorry, you'll,
1: you'll never look at it the same way again.
0: I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to cancel my subscription to the Discovery channels now. <laughs> Shark oh. Week should be fine. Oh, thank God. I, I don't think they show that. I think they, uh,
1: I haven't seen any of it, but I assume they just show the sharks attacking people or that's,
0: things. That's that's awesome then. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it for that.
1: I think uh, continuing the John Broom thing, I think Detective Chimp was created by him. Mm-hmm in a rex the wonder dogs issue ah uh, rex which is i think where the connection for rex has come from
0: mm-hmm.
1: and since he shows up next page it kind of keeps us going here um rex I, rex has showed up before in flash um i haven't read it recently though so i can't remember exactly what happened but i think it was him and vixen um helping wally defeat grod in keystone again really yeah um uh, I remember it being interesting, but I can't remember the exact details because I haven't read it that recently oh. but it I remember enjoying it. it kind of kind of got a bit dark at points wow. but you know it was Grodd mind controlling um, a bunch of animals and I think making a bunch of animals smarter. so it's entirely possible that some of these people working at the BAA or or animals working at the BAA I guess are actually from that.
0: Makes you sense, got. you know. Maybe you know, maybe the ones that were enhanced that you know they decided to put in government employment. Actually, that's that's amazing here in the U in the United States. You know that we have intelligent people working in government positions. So, sorry, that's that's not that's not <laughs> nice at all. Uh, everyone who works in government positions are incredibly intelligent. Yes, and they're also effective and hardworking people.
1: Technically, I have a government job. <laughs>
0: oops no no it's fine (laughs) well it's the uk government so that's entirely different yeah okay Uh, no it's not Uh, (laughs) oh
1: okay (laughs) sorry it's i hate to destroy your illusions but (laughs) there is bad everywhere
0: oh i understand that no oh we're we just finished you know another side tangent we just finished with you know the big uh republican national convention up here so we've had oh. just people left and right criticizing you know oh, uh, mitt romney's insane and clint eastwood what the heck was he talking about so it's the the polemic he talking
2: is... to a chair
0: he, he...
1: I, I saw stuff on facebook about him talking to a chair <laughs> he
0: was uh, basically what he was doing sort of an ad-lib thing where he was having a conversation with president obama but president obama wasn't there so he was talking to sort of a fictitious imaginary president obama who was sitting in a chair it's i didn't get to see it but you know it sounds kind of wonky
1: that kind of makes sense of the picture of obama sitting alone talking to clint eastwood
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i know that i'm certain that you know just you know minutes after that on the internet there were tropes about that i think uh they have like the whole thing of planking or whatever, and they oh, now no. have East Wooding where it's you know, <laughs> an image of someone talking to an inanimate object. So Oh, it's bound to happen. Yeah, well thank thank goodness for internet tropes. They they keep us amused for the fifteen minutes that they're interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I still have my first one memorized. Um what was it? The in A D twenty one XX war was beginning. Oh, <laughs> All your your
0: are belong to us. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I
1: actually bought the game. I saw it for a couple of quid in a second-hand shop. I just had to buy it. Uh,
0: There there was this... I can't... Tangent, I love this, but there's this website. uh, I don't know whether you can access it, because I sent a link to to Andy. It's a bunch of uh, Flash versions. Of the uh, Sega Genesis type games, and they had Zero Wing on there. <laughs> but one of the things I thought you know Andrew and Steven would like over at Fantasticast, they had a game for Super Airwolf. Oh and yeah. Basically, it, it was a hor- it was a horrid difficult. It was kind of like I guess like Zebius if you remember that game where you played a little spaceship mm-hmm. and you fire things and you shoot bombs and blow stuff. Is it on the ground?
1: A uh, scrolling kind of yeah um, up scrolling.
0: Yeah, it's kind of an up scrolling game where you fly the helicopter and you know you there's a mission where you fly the helicopter and you're small And then there's another mission where you fly a helicopter it's a little bigger and then there's a mission where you're down on the ground walking and having to shoot people and it's for nostalgia reasons it's fun but for gameplay it's not very fun (laughs) it's it's a big pain ass but uh uh, back to the (laughs) sad tangent tangent (laughs) time back to the comic sorry no 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 this is awesome I'm chance. Yeah,
1: I I think that's pretty much me for notes, except for uh, I forgot about Solovar. <laughs> Solovar gorilla scientist. It sounds like a seventies or eighties kind of
0: TV show, you know. I would I would watch the heck out of Solovar gorilla Scientist. Maybe he could do a crossover with like you know in the seventies with like the Bionic Man, and you know they could work to team up to beat up Bigfoot. They could team up with
1: Quincy or something. Oh, that, well, would, that be would be fun.
0: I would love. I would love to see, you know, Solivar helping out Quincy to discover, you know, who killed who. Either that, the, the best mashup would have been, if, if it would have been around at the time, would have been Quincy and Jessica Drew from Murder She Wrote. That would have been good. <laughs> Jessica <And> Fletcher. Jessica <laughs> Fletcher. Yeah, Jessica <laughs> Drew. Jessica Drew's Spider Woman. I don't know why that <laughs> Oh, well. There both go. called Jessica. That's true. And they then there's. Yeah. things. And there, and then there, there could have been the obligatory, you know, lovemaking moment between Quincy and. Oh god. <laughs> uh, oh. Now I'm gonna have to go bleach my mind. Okay, well, I you, you the same thing. <laughs> you covered you covered a lot of the stuff. I did. Uh, I've got on uh, page three, panel two. I've got another one of my fabulous reasons why Hal is bigotry guy. Rather than just saving the people who were carrying the uh, boxes up the stairs, Hal has to say that this is why you guys want me around. You know, uh, oh, yeah. I'm the only one who could have saved these people with my super fabulous Green Lantern ring construct. Yeah, we don't have a ton of other superhero—a stretchy guy who could have got up, thing, the fastest man alive who could have run up, caught them, or Power Girl, who is basically Superman with a boob window.
1: Yeah, at that. At that time, they didn't have Wally. He's already run off. But That's true. You know, get it, man. He's right there. He could have acted as the cushion.
0: True. You know? Well, uh, let's see. Um, And on the same page, we've got the apes, which, oddly enough, when apes evolve, they evolve into super intelligent apes. You know, whenever they're exposed to whatever radiation, they always get super intelligence. Oh, right. yes. I didn't know apes, when they become talking apes, turned into, like, Larry the Cable guy apes. <laughs> Why is there no ape that's you know wanting to go out and get her done?
1: I... Well, way, way back when, in one of the older issues, Grodd does super-evolve himself further and turns into a guy who then obviously turns back into a nip. But I, I think this is the first stage, monkeys with intelligence, then people, then possibly back to monkeys again, then back into super-intelligent monkeys, then back into people, and so on. I think it's just a cycle
0: okay it uh, makes sense <laughs>
2: um
0: no, not at all let's see uh i'm trying to think you covered a lot of this stuff oh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no I'm, I'm glad you know we we got a lot of it in uh like i said i like the the gag about the chimps and the tri- typewriters um uh, i guess moving ahead a bit uh there's a sort of wonky looking panel on page 21 panel one We've got a close-up of Rex, and it looks like he may have been spending a bit too much time on Arrakis, you know, breathing the spice, because his eyes are just blue, and it's also caused his teeth to turn blue as well. So maybe he's the uh, Kritzak Hatterack, you know, who knows?
1: Maybe he's been to the dentist recently, and they're checking his teeth, you know. He
0: could be using that dye to make sure he doesn't have any plaque on there. That works. Well, at least he's at least the government also has a good dental plan, especially for canines. Since that's cool. Um, uh, other than that, that's about it for my notes. I, I enjoyed the issue. The art was the art was good. And uh, I, I like the way, especially how in the next issue, it's going to sort of be paralleled with the Flash story. You know, we're going to see, you know, what happened. Here we saw what happened with Hal. And next issue, we're going to see what happened with Wally.
1: Yeah. One thing, though, there's not much for Green Lantern to do in this.
0: No, really, he just goes and talks to some government officials. So he's really not dealing I mean, with broad in any way you know other than finding out who he is
1: the cover is misleading
0: well that's <laughs> that that's not you know completely i know but uh it's
1: it's it's what happens you know they want to show that the characters are there and who they're fighting and stuff so
0: well and also i don't think it would be really a draw if you saw how watching panda <laughs> open a door for him you know to draw you in to buy the comic
1: back in the silver age it might have been though that's how they work things
0: agreed but i'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna put a couple of trailers in here take a break and once we get done with that we'll be back with dave's synopsis of flash number
1: 69 69 dude dudes
3: hey everyone my name is michael Bailey, and i'm jeffrey taylor And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast.
4: Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic.
3: Like what?
4: Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman. wait, wait, from...
3: wait, wait,
4: wait, wait, wait. I'm just not feeling this. I'm just wondering how there's a needle scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital.
3: Look, all we need to say is that this is the, a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the home, Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm
4: Jeffrey Taylor.
3: And every week we give in-depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number 1 in 1986.
4: And Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world when these comics were published and what else was going on in the DC Universe.
3: The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com.
4: From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com.
3: So join Jeffrey and I each week as we explore Superman during the post-crisis era, which includes Exile, Exile, Panic in the Sky, Doomsday, the Marriage, and
4: Beyond. And write into the show at From Crisis to Crisis at gmail.com and hear it read on the air. Eventually, because we get behind on that sort of thing.
3: Superman, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from From Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20 year old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention.
2: On May 30th, 2011. DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles, and the internet broke in half. No. No.
4: That's not true. That's impossible!
2: Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an
4: unusual view!
2: Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume.
4: I hated her so much. It, it,
0: the, it, flame, flames, flames on the side of my face,
4: breathing, breath, heaving breaths, heaving.
2: But then the books actually hit, and opinions.
4: He likes it. He
2: likes it. Opinions began to change. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weider, and
0: Michael Kaiser
2: take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics.
3: You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right, or expect a visit from me. The
0: Superman who appeared six months ago
3: could huddle skyscrapers and toss trucks around.
4: Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon
0: before it can't be stopped?
4: Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to pay for freedom. Release the Superboy. Supergirl.
2: Okay. Giant metal creatures. Falling from the sky. Speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream. And Superman.
3: You could do so much good. We could do so much good. I am doing good, Lois.
2: Clark's such a loner. Never really lets anyone get close to him. The New 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new 52 supermanlibsencom
0: And we're back. So, Dave here is going to cover issue 69 of The Flash which is the second part in the Gorilla Warfare storyline. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Uh release date for this was August 11th, 1992 with cover date of October 1992. Uh cover price, same as last time, US 125, Canada 150, and UK we only have to pay 60p. Uh writer was Mark Waid with plot assist from Jerry Jones. Hmm, that name seems familiar. Uh Penciler, Greg LaRock. Inker, Roy Richardson. Colorist, Matt Hollingsworth. Letterer, Tim Harkins. Editor, Brian Augustine. And Assistant Editor, Frank Piderice. Title for our issue is Guerrilla Warfare Chapter 2, Life in the Fast Lane. So our story begins on a dark and stormy night. Well, (laughs) no, actually it begins in the same place as Green Lantern 30 just did. At the old English castle where the jailers are setting up their headquarters. Wally is helping with the move, using his super speed to bring in the boxes while trying not to get distracted or caught oogling poor girl's assets. Uh, Just as he did in his own title, um, Hal Jordan swoops in and greets Wally. While Hal chats with the Crimson Fox, the Scarlet Speedster thinks of how he hopes that now that Hal is the leader of the JLE, he'll get to work with him more. Hmm, I wonder if that'll happen. (laughs) These thoughts are interrupted, however, by the arrival of Sue Didney informing him that he has a phone call. On the line is Linda Park, Wally's reporter friend and love interest, who berates Wally as he is supposed to be on her show in two minutes. But due to the confusion with time zones, Wally has in a way forgotten about it. He speeds to where the workmen, who are meant to be unpacking the teleportation tubes, are chillaxing and having a cup of tea, I assume. He grabs a crowbar. Then unpacks and assembles the teleportation tubes, which allow him to be instantaneously transported to his recently purchased uh, home in Keystone City. He throws some food into the microwave, listens to his messages, showers, shaves, and reads the paper, all in under ten seconds. And if I could do that, life would be so much easier.
0: Oh, agreed.
1: <laughs> uh, he eats and drinks before speeding off again, ignoring his ringing phone as he is already late for his very important date. As the red-yellow blur speeds through the city, he unfortunately encounters the Green Lantern foe Hector Hammond, shaking people out of a double-decker bus like it was a giant green salt shaker, or as William himself thinks, a giant green piggy bank. He speeds in and grabs the dropping denizens before ducking and dodging the double-decker's uh, deadly directed descent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing alliteration, sir. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Uh, Hammond, using his mind to communicate, describes and demonstrates the powers his mighty future brain affords him, setting fire to some nearby lampposts, which Wally extinguishes, and by throwing a whole lot of bricks at our hero. Wally uses these airborne bricks to climb up to Hammond's level, but he is rewarded for his ingenuity by getting zapped into submission. After being forced to run into a wall, a bus and a lamppost, he blacks out only to awake to the sound of his feet running on water. The reason Hammond had been in Keystone in the first place well, had been to get t- uh, transportation and that's exactly what Wally is now providing, as he pulls Hammond behind him in his wake. As Wally has no clue where he is, he has no choice but to allow the terrifying villain to control him or else he may never see land again. As they traverse the tides, Hammond informs Wally that they are on their way to visit Gorilla Grodd in Gorilla City. We get a mauve coloured flashback revealing the origin of not only Hector Hammond's powers, but also the citizens of Gorilla City, as they were transformed through the evolutionary radiation of two separate but similar meteorites. Apparently Grodd has found a third meteorite and they are planning to use this to take over the world. Unable to do anything unless Hammond commands it, Wally runs through the jungle until the villain makes a tiny mistake and tells the Scarlet Speedster to go faster. Being only too happy to oblige, Wally goes faster and faster, swimming past trees as fast as he can. The sheer speed of this is causing the immobile villain to sweat as Wally makes him to make his second mistake, telling Wally to stop. Our hero is again only too happy to be of service and skids to a stop while Hammond's momentum carries him off into the distance. With that taken care of, Wally surveys his surroundings and glimpses a flash of green in another part of the jungle. Speeding off to the location of the light, Wally suddenly finds himself face to face with Hal Jordan as they both exclaim, What are you doing here?
0: that's good no a good synopsis yeah I, I i like the way i like the way that in the initial in the initial part these two comics parallel themselves it's basically you know one person's story told or it's the same story told from one person's point of view so i, really I know. like the way they did that
1: it's so good one of the things i noticed there was while well, hal jordan's off having a conversation with crimson fox obviously because that has nothing to do with wally or anything like that it's Completely left alone, whilst he thinks to himself. So that allows both writers to have their own things going on and not have to copy everything each other's doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And actually, in in this book, I really like the way, uh, as much as I like Gerard Jones and the way he handles Hal. In this book, Hal doesn't come across uh, as a horn dog as much. Uh, <laughs> in the In the Green Lantern issue, who is almost completely ogling Crimson Fox, and here he's kind of taken aback from her. You know, sort of overt advances. So it's nice to see that Wade at least gives uh, Hal a bit more modesty instead of him <laughs> just being a, a walking pile of testosterone. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, do you want do you want to take notes this time then? Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and hit with my notes. Uh, let's see, it's, it's a really good cover. Hector Hammond. I swear to I I don't know, but Hector Hammond just looks to me like. They took an image of Stanley and just gave him a big head. Maybe that's just <laughs> me. I mean, and maybe it's a, a bit, you know, younger Stanley, but I'm. Anytime I see a guy with a big forehead, I'm just weirded out by that. Um, page one, the opening splash page. I can see uh, why uh, Wally's interested in Power Girl, and I used to complain about Power Girl's costume at this point in time, and looking at a certain part of it, I. I don't have to complain all that much. There's some there's some nice things about her costume.
1: Yeah, I think there's an unusual opening on this
0: page though. Huh. it's usually oval shaped, is it not? Well, see this this is the time where she went from the uh, sort of uh, leotard thing with the the oval one to the more bodysuit type one. Uh, but it's it's still got the opening there, and yeah, it's... Power Girl is very. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it's, uh, it's it's very well drawn.
0: Yes. Yes. And <laughs> let's see. I, I was thinking back in the background, one of the uh, moving bands said DC Universe, but I guess that's not right because it looks like something else. I don't know who the moving no, band no. company. I the, think you
2: might be right. I,
0: I uh, mean,
1: the stars there and everything.
0: Yeah, that's true. That because underneath it definitely says universe, and it looks like it might be. So, I guess uh, DC has their own moving company. I guess. If they ever fall behind in the comic book business, they can always, you know, count on the moving company. And enough. Uh, again, um, I'm glad that Hal was actually kind of taken aback by Crimson and Fox's advantage, and yes, Crimson Fox is also very, very active yeah. on this page. She's really well drawn, and yeah, you know, uh, is is it kind of a trope for Wally that he doesn't have the best? luck with women is that kind of one of the things that because in, in this comic and oh i was reading something else with him he just seems to be kind of having problems with women is that uh, kind of a trope throughout his run kind
1: of um he at the start he does have a, a seemingly a lot of different love interests it fluctuates between um i think it's is it my Mag- magenta at the start mm-hmm. uh, um someone he meets like five seconds later, literally like the day he breaks up with the girl or she breaks up with him. Uh, he meets this new wo- woman and starts going out with her basically. Um, and then they have another one brought in randomly in the middle and one of the annuals who comes back. It's not like she's a one-time only thing or anything like that. Um, but I mean, nothing really happens with any of them until basically the, uh, two issues after we finish he doesn't have much luck until that time hmm. when he finally basically he gives up being a playboy kind of thing that they give up that kind of aspect of him i guess and he he makes a decision that basically changes his life i guess <laughs> okay
0: well you know I, I can't wait till we get to that type of stuff um page four it's nice to know that we have uh, in the UK, we also have lazy union members who like to sit <laughs> around and drink, I'm assuming here, tea rather than coffee and say, hey, we're, we're on our break. That that never happens in the U.S., though. All, all our union members are hardworking people who get the job done and get it done effectively and in a minimal amount of time for a, an incredibly reasonably priced amount. Of course. Yeah. I, I'm lying through my teeth right now. <laughs> uh Pages five through eight, I love seeing these panels where Wally is living at super speed. Yeah. Although, and I I, I like the fact that after he's lost all his money from the beginning of the series, that he's moved into a sort of modest house. But some of the things here, although it's really cool to watch him go through the tape recordings at super speed and all that, there are some things that just... Don't work for me. The, the microwave. It's yes. nice that you got the microwave, but 15 seconds to warm up, what, burritos and a pizza? That's I know gonna... we're
1: supposed to have suspension of disbelief here, but a microwave for 15 seconds, that's that's going to warm the outside at most.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe he's gotten some sort of jail-y super microwave that heats things to incredible temperatures and possibly causes radiation damages if you eat it. <laughs> the the other thing that I have to say is the shower that he takes instantaneously. But again, that that only works if he's going to take a cold shower because uh, every time I take a shower, it takes at least like thirty yeah, yeah yeah thirty seconds to warm up. So um, maybe Wally just needed a cold shower. But it's it, it is fun to watch him do this and to get all this done in 15 seconds is neat. But yeah, you do have to sort of suspend your disbelief, especially for the electronic devices. And I can see. In the end, on page eight, when he's leaving, that he lets the answer machine pick up because if he's got to yeah. be at the interview and in, you know just a matter of seconds, it's not a problem for him to get there. But if he has to stop and talk to a person, that's going to take him some time. So I mean, I'll give him that with the answer machine thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> uh, no, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's
1: really nice. I like that.
0: No, it's it's it, it, it's it makes sense. It does, you know, because it is the fastest. And, I, I, and that's one of the things that they carry on into the stuff before the new 52 and that, uh, especially in the stuff with, like, in Blackest Night, where Flash would constantly be moving and be seeing things faster than this. And if he, when Barry came back, you know, talking to Wally, they would talk at this incredibly fast way. And they do that in Young Justice as well, where Barry's talking to Bart. And uh, they're talking at this hyper accelerated speed, and because I guess is the this is the sort of Wally at the beginning of his run that he's not, I guess, it's in tune with the speed force as much, and so he's not as fast as you know Barterberry. But I like I like it when we see yeah. the speed, the speed force, and Wally's speed being applied in like normal situations.
1: I think it's I think the idea is taken to extremes at some point. I think it's the kingdom mm-hmm. where he's. I think he's basically patrolling the entire city simultaneously.
0: Hmm.
1: I, if I'm remembering the story right, where he's just literally living at super speed constantly. he. I think that the image I remember is basically of a red blur in the, all of the streets in this one panel. And...
0: See, I don't mind that every once in a while. That's that's mm. good when he's being super heroic, but yeah. there there is time where he needs to have downtime and he needs to deal with real world issues, especially and deal with people. And and you know, unless that person is a speedster themselves, you have to slow down and talk with them. And and also it also kind of takes away from the realism of the character because. You can't be on all the time. There there has to be downtime. Uh, even if you are uh, hyper accelerated and in tune with, you know, this force that gives you this power, it it wouldn't work unless you have some downtime there.
1: So. As the great Homer Simpson once said, no beer, no TV, mix Homer something something.
0: <laughs> Words to live by, kids. Words to live by. <laughs> uh just a little nitpick on page twelve. They, I, I guess they didn't, you know, fill in one of the, uh, the speech balloons because it's got the pink and blue bleeding through it.
1: Yeah.
0: But just, a, do you have that in your comic?
1: Oh yeah, I, I kind of like it though.
0: It's, it, it does give it a, it doesn't even neat feel, but it was just a little nitpick. Um, it, it
1: lets you know how it was actually done, kind of. Obviously, they don't care about painting over the lines at that point because someone's going to cover over it. But obviously, that person didn't cover over it. <laughs>
0: You know? Uh, moving on to where, Sorry. Uh, no, no, moving on to where Hector Hammond is got traveling in the wake of Wally, and he's using his mind to have Wally. I always like it when Wally is running over the ocean, and when he thought, when he thought to myself, if I stop, or when Hector sa- Hammond says, uh, stop. If you stop, you'll sink and drown. I was like, no, he won't. I'm certain Wally at least knows how to tread water. But then I thought, okay, yeah. they're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's no land for hundreds maybe even thousands of miles and wally doesn't know what direction be in so yes if he does stop and fall into the water he's just going to float there and probably just end up yeah he he will end up in a bad situation so initially i thought well why doesn't he just stop but then yeah it made sense to me he doesn't know where he is so yeah, um, it's,
1: it's a it's a great way of dealing with that you'd think that obviously if he can get out of this he just can mm-hmm. but obviously if He's got no clue which way is which, which in the middle of the ocean, you've got horizon everywhere, basically. Yeah. You know? So you're more than likely going to die, or at least run into some kind of boat. Yes. There may be a boat somewhere.
0: If you're lucky. We, were, uh, we went on a cruise a few years back, and this was just in the Gulf of Mexico, which is small. And once we got out of, day out of port, yes, you look all around the boat, and there's nothing but water on the horizon. So... Yeah, you, you move, you know, a few mile, well, the, like 80, 100 miles off land, and you're completely boned. You have no idea where you are unless you've got some sort of navigation device. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I always love Wally, or I always love any of the flashes, any of the speedsters running on water. I think that's totally cool. Yeah, um, I, it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love that Wally's thinking, that he's like, okay, I've got to use some way to get rid of him, so I can't rid myself of his mind control, so I'm going to take advantage of what he's saying literally. When he says to go faster, he's going to go faster. And he's going to go so fast that basically it's going to mess Hector Hammond up, he's going to, and he's running through the trees, which is obviously probably going to knock Hammond around, which eventually leads to the fact where Hammond calls for him to stop, and physics takes in. And I love... You know, even though that we don't get the sort of Silver Age flashbacks, this is a nice sort of callback to it, where Wally is actually using, you know, science and physics to rid himself of the person who's controlling him. So I think that's great. I love that. Um,
1: I love the little smile whenever he... Says faster, you know, just mm-hmm. the smile on Wally's face there.
0: Yeah, the sort of yeah, I'm gonna give you faster. I, I will, I'll give you speed. Yes, that that sort of that sort of smirk that knows, I know how I'm gonna get rid of you. That's that's awesome. That's it really goes to, you know, it really goes to the fact that Wally's not just sort of goofy kid he's he worked with barry for the longest time and he knows what he's doing and it, it upsets me that sometimes people just overlook him as he's not barry because he in his own right is an awesome and intelligent character and this is just a prime example of it
1: i mean uh he basically came in only a couple of years after i i can't remember how often the release dates were back uh for showcase and the first well, the, not really the first The first um, issues of Flash where Barry showed up, but he came in, I think it was 110 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it was basically five issues after the um, Barry started in his own title and there were only a couple of issues of Showcase he was showing up in. So there's not much difference between the time he's been doing it and Barry was doing it. Hmm. And at, at least at this point, a couple of years have passed, so he's at least at this point, he, he could be further... Along than Barry was at this time. Or Could
0: at, be. at this point in his career. That's so, it's an, it's an interesting idea. But that basically wraps up my notes. If you've got some stuff that go right ahead.
1: I, I think so. Um, let's see. Um, we've got the only bit of things that didn't quite match up in this one. Um, Sue Dibney changes outfits, and it's only in one panel on this issue that causes the problem. Um, she's wearing something pink, I think, in the other one. Um, some it's some kind of all pink top, and this she's got a waistcoat and uh, blouses of some kind, white blouses and jeans.
0: Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, in the in the Green Lantern issue, she's got like a sort of pink blouse, and then the other one, she's got like a white shirt and a kind of uh, well, like a yeah. uh, the, the sort of I I, hate, I don't know how to describe it, the sort of solo vest. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, no, it's yeah, it is a little different, you know, a little continuity thing. But I'm certain.
1: And you know, the maybe... only reason
0: I oh, sorry. No, it's, it's it's it can be simply Brett Conch. You know, Sue Dibney yeah. is a fashion fashionista. She just decided to to change between issues. It's fine.
1: The problem is the wording matches up.
0: That is it's
1: true. The, it's the same scene. <laughs> well,
0: we'll just uh, we'll what? just chalk it up to them not, you know, the artists not communicating. That's fine.
1: It's it's probably not possible for them to do that though. Uh, it's the one thing I'm willing to let away with this. The writers obviously have to have theirs Mm -hmm. kind of in, but there's what, two weeks between this. Yeah. Um, If that, you know, um,
0: well, and uh, Sue is, is the only one really around who's not having to wear a costume. So yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of allows her to be in whatever clothing she wants to be. So yeah, I could forgive them for that. That's not a big deal.
1: Yeah. And if I hadn't read the other issue, the Green Lantern issue, I would have no clue who this is. Mm hmm. There's nothing to tell us, but we don't. I know we don't need to know, but
0: yeah. Well, and yeah, if you don't know uh, much about the JLI or about Ralph and Sue, you, you're going to be. This could just be some random secretary. But if you do know, that's you know just a little added bonus.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the phone floating in the air when Wally leaves. Mm-hmm. It's it's very Looney Tunes, Tex something like that. Yes, I, I, that just amused me. <laughs> sorry it's,
0: well, no, that's, it's, it's no, brilliant
1: <laughs> uh it's just that the only way you get that is with a speedster because that's the only well it's really the only character who can do that sort of thing and have it be i guess semi-realistic
0: that's true well you get bat you know if you get batman throwing a phone and dropping away it's on the floor before he's out of the room even mm-hmm. though he's batman and he can like suddenly disappear without anyone knowing so no that that is a cool panel
1: yeah. Um, okay. Uh, he reads. Uh, let's see. Listens to his messages in three seconds. I think we covered that. Mm-hmm. Um, he dries himself off like a dog. <laughs> well, I forgot you to know, mention that.
0: You've, you know, you've got to imagine turning on the blow dryer, letting it get heated up, to dry his hair. It's just easier for him to just shake himself dry.
1: Yeah, but he's wearing a mask. If he's going to be on TV, he's probably. <laughs> He's probably going to keep the mask on for at least part of it, but then it, I guess he doesn't want to get mask hair.
0: That's true. You, you know, get it all matted it, down, and then it's all icky. Yeah, does, even even though he washed obviously in in a cold yeah. shower again. So, but I,
1: I guess it would matter if he had a secret identity. <laughs>
0: you know, now, does does what? Well, I I'm thinking. I guess I'm thinking of well what is it? The human torch in the, the early issues of the Fantastic Four where he thinks he has a secret identity, but he's listed oh, yeah. in the phone book <laughs> as the human torch. Does Wally list himself as the Flash in the phone book? Or is I, he or I is his secret identity kind of well known?
1: It's it's public. i I know that. I when I have when I've been going through these early issues um over in my podcast, I've been trying to find where specifically it, it says that he reveals his identity hmm. to anyone, but I, he doesn't, he just kind of doesn't not tell people. It just goes, hi, I'm Wally West. Yeah. I'm also the flash, by the way. Hi. Um, I'm going to be working with you. Uh, how's it going? And it's it's basically just stuff like that. He doesn't hide his identity, but I don't think he ever kind of comes right out and says it. And there's not much of a kind of window for him to not be using it because then suddenly everyone
0: knows. Hmm. That, you I, know, that's that's kind of that's kind of odd because you know I think since he's wearing the Flash he, or wearing the mask and taking on the uh, the guise of the Flash, and I'm certain a lot of uh, in, in this issue we kind of get the idea that both Grodd and Hammond don't know that this isn't the Barry Allen Flash. In fact, there, there's a point where they're trying to communicate with him and they're trying to communicate with the Flash. So. Yeah. the fact that they don't know that this is a different person it is kind of odd and it is I guess it's kind of weird that you know he has a public persona which is you know I can understand, for that
1: I can understand Guerrilla City though because they're out of the way and hidden off you know
0: well you know they, you they you may, don't may not
1: get, get the same TV shows
0: that's true yeah I'm thinking they probably you know satellite reception they probably won't get as. they probably don't get you know the CNN news feed that much
1: I believe I think the reason they kind of said I don't I haven't come across it yet, but the reason that Wally basically gave up his identity was so that people could know who Barry Allen was. It's it's possible that the stuff happened before before he actually became the Flash. Maybe his Kid Flash identity kind of came out, but I do I do remember reading somewhere that he came out as the Flash uh, so that he could tell people that my uncle Barry Allen just gave everyone in the entire
0: universe it makes sense and i guess that's yeah. a, a nice way to pay tribute to him by saying that I, i'm taking up the mantle of my uncle and you know if you know you obviously say who the name of your uncle you know people can just do a genealogy search i guess and go oh well he must be this guy
1: yeah, it's like if dick grayson's identity gets discovered uh, batman's
0: pretty much screwed but uh, i agree but you know i'm certain i'm certain that would never happen
1: well it's not like he does any kind of specific, I don't know, acrobatic trick that only three people in the world know that would allow, I don't know, a seven-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid, something like that, to discover that he's Robin and therefore Bruce Wayne's Batman. That could never happen.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. That sounds pretty ridiculous. I don't think DC would ever do anything like that. Nah, just silly. Exactly.
1: Okay, uh, the van, I think in the background there, is it a van? Where is it? Um, I've lost it. Completely lost it now. Oh. <laughs> it's page ten. Okay. Uh, Bronson Weenies. Um, I, I googled Bronson to see if he was anyone specific. Uh, oh, it's it's the sign on the bus. Yes. That's what it is. Okay. I, I thought it was a van. I don't know where that came from. No, no. Yeah, I looked up Bronson to see if there was anything to do with the Flash at all. Apparently, a Fred Bronson used to get letters published and in Flash comics at some point, and now he's a journalist. I have no idea if that's a reference to it, but since it was early issues of The Flash, I thought possibly a connection there, since it, they're going for the Silver Age feel.
0: It could be. You know, it's it's always nice when they put in uh, little hints to different artists or different creators of the book. But yeah, I thought Bronson Weenies, the the, the only thing I could have thought of was, like, we've got this brand name of, uh, uh like, uh, Frankenfurters or... uh. Mm um sausages like uh bratwurst uh called johnsonville yeah. so i i kind of <laughs> thought that might be it i have i didn't even catch that that's a good catch
1: thank you uh oh yeah also the the way the speed's drawn in this it's it's lightning bolts which i didn't notice the yellow bits create lightning bolts
0: that's wh- true wherever yeah. he's moving yeah they've got the they've got the zigzag that's not just the straight differentiation between the yeah. the red and the yellow the that is kind of cool. That's a neat. That's a neat. That I I like the speed lines. I I enjoy the the typical uh, silver age sort of speed lines and the different you know poses that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I'm not a I'm not averse to the new sort of lightning surrounding them all the time stuff that they do in the modern age. But this is always a nice callback. The different images of the you know the speedsters doing the stuff, especially Wally.
1: Yeah, I, I love seeing all the different ways the – come up with for drawing it you see so it's it's nice to see each one kind of has their own style I guess each artist kind of has their own way of drawing it mm-hmm. so it's it's almost like a signature on some of them so I, I obviously I haven't learned any of them yet so I'll have to get to that at some point but it is just kind of cool oh yeah yeah I find it weird that Wally doesn't seem to know who Hector Hammond is here well you know these I, I were... don't think it's kind of do him so I guess well, that's okay but
0: Barry well, and
2: Howe?
0: Well, maybe he didn't pay, you know, uh, maybe at the time he didn't really pay much attention to Barry and Howe's. He was more enamored with Barry, you know. Maybe he didn't mm-hmm. really care that much about Howe's stuff. He's like, oh, Hal's kind of a douche, which I usually kind of feel my, in my aspect, or in, or in my frame of thought.
2: Yeah,
1: I I think they actually make mention of something similar. Um, earlier, that I forgot to mention, he's tragically unhip, he gets yes. described as. I, I think he does still have a kind of respect for him.
0: Well, I think I think he realizes that the the, uh, the friendship that Hal and Barry had, and he's like, I know that they were really good friends, but I, I don't know whether he's wanting to try and be friends with him, or if he's worried that Hal may be looking down on him because he may not be living up to the to the to the legend that Barry was. You know, maybe some more of yeah. the uh, sort of insecurity that Wally has in being the Flash.
1: Yeah, and it's possible that um, while he's only interested in him now because it's a connection to Barry, it may be a way of him getting to know his uncle better.
0: True. That makes sense as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think also kind of uh, around this part, Hector Hammond tells him, you know who I am. Or you recognize me, sorry. There's no question mark. He just tells him he recognizes him. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. It just seems seems slightly off, you know? (laughs) And maybe Hector Hammond's like, you don't know who I am. I'm the most brilliant person in the world. Everyone knows who I am. Obviously, that's probably less less to the fact that Wally doesn't know him and more to the fact that Hector Hammond has a huge ego to go along with his huge head.
3: Hmm.
1: That makes sense. The piap-piap, I guess, yes. is is what, it's, what I should call it, the sound effect for running on the water. Mm-hmm. It's It's really it works quite well uh I, I i miss this i miss the sound effects
0: exactly this is this is the one thing that i've noticed in these issues and all in all four of these they've got some really good sound effects and really good ones that harken back to the sort of I, I hate to hear it the the bam pow kapow things but it's it's really nice to see the effects and a lot of them are really not only they they elicit that sort of fee, that sort of Feeling of the actual sound that's going on, but they're also kind of funny as well. It's it's a nice throwback. Yeah,
1: I was watching a couple of episodes of the Batman 60s series and I I was waiting for an oof or something and didn't mm-hmm. get it. I was very disappointed. Oh,
0: that's always. Uh, that's you always
1: try st- to pick out which ones they're going to use.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're always wondering, okay, come on, bam! Oh, come on, kapow! Oh, wow. Uh,
1: shame. Flash is faster than a cheetah.
0: Uh,
1: kind of obvious.
0: Well,. But... I liked that
1: the demonstration.
0: At the time, was there a limit that Flash could run at? Was it the the speed of sound at this time? Because I know it wasn't until they got into the uh, the one where the Return of Barry Allen, where Wally completely embraced his Speedster issue and he could actually go however fast he wanted, that it was sort of a a, a mental block yeah. that he couldn't run as fast as Barry. Uh, is is there has there ever been a limit to which he's been set at in this thing right now
1: at the in the continuity i think it was stated in the first couple of issues 700 or so mm-hmm. um obviously because it's just a mental block he can probably do faster if he needs to mm-hmm. but yeah. that, that at least gives us leeway but the return of barry allen's a couple of issues away i think at this point oh yeah so he i think he should still be limited at this point um i know he does start going even faster once he gets his connection to the speed force and i i don't think that's this costume i think this is just the one that's been changed to kind of match with the tv series Mm -hmm. kind of the we got to issue 50 here's a new costume type thing Um, it's also really really shiny
0: yes yes it is
1: it's it's the shiniest costume i know (laughs) I, i i have not seen anything else as shiny um, it doesn't really show in the Green Lantern issues as much, but in these ones, really, really shiny. Yep. <laughs> Which I guess kind of works because it's also good if you are a fan of Firefly or anything. So
0: true. Yes, it is very shiny.
1: <laughs> yeah. I uh, think my. Uh, the last note. I think the thought bubbles get smaller, or the talking gets smaller as Hammond flies off into the distance. It it just shrinks down kind of like uh again it's cartoonish uh it it kind of reminds me of the pokemon cartoon you know when the bad guys get sent off and they're screaming
0: <laughs> oh. oh yes that is i get that yes yes
1: that's that's the kind of effect i think they're going for because right at the top you've got really big you tricked me and then each word getting quieter quieter, quieter. <laughs>
0: uh oh, that's so much fun no that, i i just realized that that is awesome but no, th- th- these were a great couple issues. I love the way they parale- par- blah, I can get that word, paralleled each other. And oh, yeah. the artwork in both of them was really great. Uh, LaRoque does a great job drawing both the characters. And um, I'm really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I think these issues we actually get um, a lot of the, at least Wikipedia page versions, um, or Wikipedia page list of the John Brim characters. Mm-hmm. Um they get a lot of them in. Um, I'm trying to think. He, he created Pied Piper, who doesn't get an appearance, but he's on the answering machine. But um, he wrote on Rex for the Wonder, Bo- Rex the Wonder Dog. Yep. Uh, I'll be able to speak eventually. <laughs> um, he did um, uh, Hal Jordan. He created him. He created Wally West. He did Gorilla Grodd, Hector Hammond, um, Gorilla City. Obviously, kind of comes hand in hand with. Uh, mm-hmm. With Gorilla God, there, um, Dexter Miles. And I think he created someone, what, what's he called again? Gwee Gar, 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 Gardner? Gardner? So, so, something. Some Gardner guy?
0: Like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, that that guy who Hal beat the crap out of in issue 25. Yeah, no one cares about that guy. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, I, I look around all over the internet, and uh, there are very few people who care about that, you know george gardner or whatever his name is he's not really an important character to deal with
1: but he he is wally's stepbrother though i mean same writer different penciler you know that's true
0: Yeah, maybe maybe eventually i'll have to look into this greg gardner and see what he's all about Uh, might be interesting okay you know hopefully someone's doing a podcast about him maybe i can listen to that sometime
1: That's a good idea.
0: Um, But uh, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, We are going to come back next week with another brand new episode of Just One of the Guys. Hmm. Interesting. And we're going to be covering uh, the next issue of Green Lantern, number 31, which is part three of the Gorilla Mortar story. And if Dave is polite enough, he'll come back and we will do issue four uh, of the Greenlander, or uh, of the Gorilla Warfare story in Flash number 70. So stay tuned next week. We will be back here, hopefully, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Greenlander podcast hosted by yours truly, Sean Inglund. All images, stories, and music are copyright to respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought provoking and exciting while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcome. All spam bots are warmly welcome, too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at just one of the guys, all one word, Lipson, Spell L-I-B-S-Y-N. dot com. There you can find the RSS feed as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, and be sure to leave a review there. I'd love to try and read it on the next show. You can search me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough time to spit, and listen to me, Babylon, about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening music for today's show was "Monkeys Gone to Heaven." by the Pixies, off their album, Doolittle. As always, if you'd like to do something to help out a great podcast website, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com, click on the Amazon.com banner at the top of the page, and go download this song, or download or buy the album, from Amazon.com. You'll be giving a little bit of money to help out the Two True Freaks website, plus you'll be getting some awesome songs from a band who basically inspired Nirvana.
1: You spilled the drink again?
0: <laughs> I have a drinking problem. <laughs> w- oh, that reminds me of the really bad joke. An airplane? Or, or uh, see, oh. we, we were watching Airplane recently with Robert Hayes and his drinking problem. and <laughs> spilling it all on himself. No, go
1: ahead. It's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's an entirely different kind of flying.
1: No, it's the a man walks into a doctor's office with cabbage on one shoulder, lettuce on his head, and the carrot sticking out of his ear, and the doctor turns to him and says, I know your problem, not eating properly.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, sweet Lord. I don't know why that hit me so funny. Sorry. (laughs) That was good. No singing? no i'm sorry i'm <laughs> it's
1: it's not the fantastic guest sorry
0: oh you don't want to hear me sing <laughs> oh i guess i have to ask you because it is you know you're in the uk is the and i don't know whether you watch this or not Are is the uh, premiere of the new uh doctor who tonight for you guys
1: two hours, 15 minutes okay
0: yeah. <laughs> i will it's
1: okay it's okay we have iplayer oh which, yeah uh, So I don't know if you have something similar there. I'm assuming uh, since other um, stations obviously have their websites that replay their shows, I think um, for some reason I was able to get Heroes on one of the websites before they started doing the whole, you can't access this if you're not in the USA. I was able to get that way back when. But I'm guessing you guys have something similar over there then, uh, where you can just watch it online. or I mean, we can get it on PlayStation and... Well, that's tv cool. and everything so
0: we we've that's got no problem we we've got a cable company uh you know we've got uh, you know a cable company here called bbc america and they port a lot of the the bbc shows i know they've done uh sherlock they've done doctor who yeah they do a lot of the top gear stuff which i'm i think is really fun i i love those guys that's uh,
1: i don't really care about cars that much but i still watch that it's so yeah. much fun
0: oh yeah I, the, i'm i'm the same way i could give you know i could give a care about you know what car, you know, drives the fastest or this, but just watching those guys do some of their ridiculous stuff. One of my favorite <laughs> ones recently was the, well and it's probably not recently, it was the one where they had to be admin for a day and they had to make an ad for the Volkswagen uh, <laughs> and they were like, you know you know, the Volkswagen oh, the Volkswagen Scirocco is the fastest car around, but a Mazda RX-8 will leave it in the dust <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it was, just, it, oh, was, it was a clever ad, but but uh, enough of that. I will get. I will get started. I'll lead us in, and we'll head out from there. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right.